Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where after a baby was baptized, her four-year brother was crying inconsolably in the back seat of the car. What's the matter, Johnny? asked his concerned mother. Johnny replied, That man said he hoped that our baby would be raised in a good Christian home, but I want him to stay with us. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers, to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, thanking him for his sacrifice on Calvary, and look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit lead and guide us as we speak to your people today. We ask that our minds be open and our hearts be diligent to hear your word. We ask that you allow them to hear the revelation that is pertinent to them today so that they will be built up in the most holy faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is Sarah Called Him Lord. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm doing really well today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's snowing in beautiful Roundtown. I know, as we go into spring. I know. The weather gets really unpredictable these times of years. That's okay. You know, it'll change in a minute. That's right. And it brings moisture, and that's a good thing. Yeah, the farmers really need it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about a revelation that God is giving me about Sarah calling Abraham Lord. And I know there's been a lot of teaching on that in the Christian church, where it's a term of reverence. The Hebrew is actually... Adonai, it's a plural of majesties, I guess. But what God was showing me this week is that I believe that Sarah actually looked upon Abraham as God. And she reverenced him as her Lord, her actual Lord. Now, she was fully aware he was a man. But as far as God coming through him and dwelling in him and leading and guiding him, basically... Abraham was her Lord, and that's why she addressed him as Lord. And this got me to thinking about how in marriages, women are actually created to view their husband as God. It's not that they're not aware that they're a mortal man. God, no. They are very aware of that. But in a true situation where God has joined them together as divine mates, and God is flowing through that man they can look at him as a manifestation of God in their lives. And God leads a godly man in such a way that that is actually true. They're a manifestation of God. And likewise, when you go into the other side of the coin, the woman is a manifestation Mm -hmm. of God, but it's just through the female form. Mm -hmm. And so as we relate to God in each other, we are both Adonai. We are both a plural of majesties. The woman manifests God through a female form. The man manifests God through the male form. And when we come into alignment with God in a perfect way, that is actually what God is going for from the Garden of Eden. 
That's right. And that's really a, just a deeper understanding of the whole spiritual connections truth that we know anyway, exactly. is that God desires to move on this earth through the vessels that are filled with his spirit. So when we interact with those that are filled with the spirit, God speaks through those people to us. Now, that doesn't mean that because we hear God's voice through someone or see God manifested through someone that we worship that person. No. But we recognize that they are a vessel of God and we honor the vessel. You know, sometimes we tend to think that we have to be so humble that we actually make ourselves unworthy and we debase ourselves below where God really wants us. Because if you think about the fact that we are inhabited by the Spirit of God, there is nothing that makes us more worthy and more valuable than that. Exactly. Likewise, the people around us that are filled with God's Spirit that God uses to minister to us are even more so valuable as vessels that hold God. You know, we remember the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament and how it was filled with the very presence of God at that time. And that box in and of itself was incredibly powerful. You couldn't even touch it without having consequences. When it was in the enemy's camp, it caused problems to the point where they didn't want it anymore. When it was in a righteous man's house, it brought blessing to his household. It was a man-made box, even though it was made beautifully, it was made by human hands. But the box itself didn't have any value. What gave it value was the fact that it was inhabited by God. And that is exactly how we are, because now we're the temple of God. Now we're the places that the Holy Spirit inhabits. And if we look at ourselves and other people as that valuable vessel of God, we give it honor. Now, even more so in a marriage relationship, because in a marriage relationship, God has set up a man to be the head of the woman. And a woman is supposed to submit herself to her husband. And that word submission is like a a four-letter word in the Western culture. There's no way that women want to ever think about, no way, I'm not submitting myself to any man. But if you think about the fact that you're really not submitting yourself to a man, you're submitting yourself to God. Exactly. As he directs you and leads you. Right. As he directs you to the man and then as he flows through that man. And that doesn't mean that when God is flowing through a man, even if you're with a divine maid and you know you're with a person that you respect totally, that doesn't mean that every single thing they do is going to be exactly from God. But you can recognized by your spirit when God is flowing through them. And if you allow yourself to be led by the spirit, you can honor the fact that God flows through them and you can give them that reverence. And it takes a lot of the responsibility off of a woman's shoulders to have to understand and know and guide her own life. Because the reason I believe that God has put man as a head over woman is like it explains in the New Testament, that a woman is created in such a way that makes her vulnerable and she's heavily dependent on her emotions by design. And that can make her susceptible to deception. That's why the enemy went after Eve instead of Adam, because she was easier to deceive. So in order for us to be fully feminine and fully who we are as women and to be that emotional, vulnerable, empathetic, feeling creature that we're designed to be, we have to have some masculine strength to rely on. Now, a lot of women just develop that in and of themselves. They have the feminine side and they have their own masculine side because they're not going to depend on any man. But you can't be fully feminine when you've got to be half masculine. Exactly. What God designs is a man and a woman, a masculine and feminine, to come together and be one person like he made Adam and Eve. Together, they were a man. And as we can depend on a godly man to guide us, then we can focus on the creativity and the emotion and the love and the things that God has designed us for, the nurturing. We don't have to worry necessarily about all the decisions and whether or not this is the right move because God put a protection over us and a guide in a godly man. And so when we recognize God in that man, it makes it easy to just lean into that and allow God to lead us through that. 
Well, precisely. You know, the bedrock of all this is that you're married to a man of God's choice or mm -hmm. you're married to a woman of God's choice. If that is the case, then God is wanting for you to manifest himself through you in that picture of Christ in the church. So God blesses what he authors. You know, a lot of women, they look at their man and say, God, no, I can't follow him because he doesn't make good decisions. Well, maybe it's your fundamental decision to marry him in the first mm -hmm. place that is not allowing you to be led by him because you don't respect him. And likewise, if a man marries a woman that God does not ordain and he can't be faithful to her, maybe the root of his unfaithfulness is that he knows deep down in his heart that that is really not the one for him. That was the one that was there and made sense at the time. But it wasn't really God's divine purpose and plan for his life. And so he's unsatisfied. She's unsatisfied. Neither one of them can see God in each other. And it degenerates from there. I think basically is that we do not grasp how fully like Jesus Christ we are going to become in the near future. Our natural minds can't go there. Because that is, we think, forbidden ground. Yeah. And no one can be like Christ. In the near future, as we yield completely to a spirit through the tabernacle experience, we are going to become like God in that he will dwell in us to the extent that when people see us, they will see God through us. Now, we are not Jesus Christ, and mm -hmm. we are not ever going to be the fullness of God. But that part which God gives each individual to manifest himself, we can do that perfectly. Yeah. And even that small part is light years beyond where we think we're going to be. And essentially, when you do not respect your husband or you do not love your wife as Christ loved the church, you're disrespecting God. Mm -hmm. You're acting not in accordance with God's will towards somebody that he's filling with his Holy Spirit. And you're dishonoring God as you dishonor them. Now you're saying in your heart, well, you don't know how it's really like. No, I don't. But I don't have to because God does. And God's will is for you to manifest his spirit to your wife. It's God's will for you to call your husband Lord. You don't have to go around calling him Adonai, but you do have to have that reverence. And the trouble is, if you have not married according to God's mm -hmm. will, it's very, yeah. very difficult to have that reverence that God desires. Mm -hmm. And so what's the upshot of this? Okay, if you're not in a relationship where you can reverence your husband and call him Lord, I mean, what's the upshot of that? The upshot of that is the picture that God wants to portray to the world cannot be done through you. And God loses that opportunity to give a, an example of Christ and the church to the saved and unsaved. And pictures to God are a big, big deal. Moses didn't enter the promised land because he struck the rock twice when he was only supposed to do it once. Why? Because it was a picture of Christ only being stricken once. And that was the only thing it was supposed to show. And then Moses messed that up. And there were consequences. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying we have to wrap our minds and our spirits around this concept of Christ in us. It goes way farther than we have thought before. It is way more complete than we ever imagined. And it will come to the day where godly women will say to their husbands, Lord. And to them, their husband will be like God. Now that just strikes the fear in the theologians of the world, you know. <laughs> well, isn't that what the devil wanted to do is be like God? 
We don't want to be God. No. Okay. But we do want to be remade into his image and into his likeness so we can fulfill our mm-hmm. original purpose. And when we are like that, when we touch you, it's like God is touching you. When we speak to you, it is the oracle of God. Mm-hmm. When we look at you, you see God looking at you. And this is what the world really wants. They're tired of the counterfeit. They're tired of the promise that is empty. They want God in reality. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to be to them. Those who are humble enough to accept it. You know, the non-religious Jew accepted Jesus gladly. And there's a lot of people on the earth that will accept Jesus if he really comes to them in the form of another person. That's right. And that's the way that God has chosen to move. As New Testament believers, a lot of times we look at the way God moved in the Old Testament and go, wow, if he would come and part the Red Sea for me, then I would just know he was real. If he would guide me by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night, then I would know for sure he's real. And we think those are the kinds of miracles that manifest God. But when Jesus left the earth and sent his spirit, he started manifesting miracles through his people. People became healed by other people touching them or even their shadows falling on people. In the New Testament, when the widows needed food and they cried out to God and they said, please help us, how did God meet the need? Well, for the Israelites, when they needed food, he dropped manna from heaven. And we say, wow, that's an amazing miracle. For the widows in the New Testament, when they needed food, the people from the church brought food to them. And we don't see that as much of a miracle. We say, oh, well, that was people. But God moves through people. So if we see God moving through people now, and that's how he chooses to manifest himself, why do we not see that as a miracle? Why do we not see it as God? If we walk out the door and we see a loaf of bread on the ground that came from the sky, we go, wow, that was God, that was a miracle. Right. But if a neighbor comes and brings us a loaf of bread, we go, oh, thanks, that was, that was a person. What if we shifted our focus to understand that God is flowing through people? Exactly. And when you see God meet a need, of yours through a person, recognize that it's God in that person that is meeting the need. And especially the highest picture of this is in a marriage or divine mate relationship where you are with the man and the woman that you're supposed to be with. Because Eve, when she was in the garden before sin, and she was with Adam, created to be with him and be his helper, all she wanted to do was be with him and help him. She was created to complete him. God said it wasn't good for him to be alone. He needed a helper. So God created Adam a helper. She wanted to be his helper. That was what she was created for. That's all she wanted to do. And what she did is just do what he needed help with. That's the ultimate form of submission. I heard this wonderful definition of submission recently that I had never heard before. When you think of the word submission, sub meaning come under, it's coming under the mission. And the mission is whatever God has called you to, whatever God has called you and your divine mate to. And as a woman, God has called you to help your divine mate in the mission that God has for him. Because the mission that God has for him is also the mission that God has for you. However that may be, it may be that your husband has a job and you stay home and take care of the kids and clean the house. That is helping your husband and coming under the mission of your husband. That is enabling him to do what God has called him to do and helping him do what God has called him to do. So when Eve was doing that with Adam... There was no need for anybody to tell her, you need to submit. I mean, she would look at you crossways if you told her that. What does that even mean? I'm here to help my husband. Everything in me desires to help my husband, and my whole life is caught up in submitting myself, coming under the mission, putting everything I have behind the mission that Adam is called to and make him be everything that he needs to be. And likewise, Adam loved her. She was a help to him. She met his needs. She was beautiful. And everything that he needed, she was there to help him with. So when someone would come to Adam and say, you need to love your wife, he would also look at him crossways and say, what do you mean? Uh, 
Duh, of course. <laughs> it's sin that has broken down this picture. It's not the picture itself that is bad. It's sin and the way that we look at it. And I think primarily because women that are with men that God has not called them to be with, it's very, very difficult to live out that picture. You don't feel that created desire to help him and to put your whole life exactly. behind him yeah. because he's not the one that you are really supposed to be mated with. And that makes a big difference. Exactly. If you're not with a divine mate or person of God's calling to be in a relationship, that whole feminine thing that God made inside of you does not engage. That's right. Because you're not with the person that God wants you to be with. And what it ends up doing, it ends up really messing up God's plan because the unity that God desires between a man and a woman is lacking. And God works through unity. And if the unity is lacking, you know, you, you become less effective in the kingdom of God. And this really has incredibly long-term effects. I mean, those people that you would have touched if you would have been equally yoked are not blessed by you mm. then because you're too busy trying to work out the problems in your relationship. The ministry that God wanted you to have, maybe to touch lives of people that were really in need, doesn't get done because you can't agree on what God wants to do. You know, your children are not perhaps brought up in the way that they should go because you guys are so busy dealing with your own issues, you don't really have time to guide them and lead them in the mm -hmm. way of the Lord. These things echo into future generations in ways that we cannot even imagine. And when you are locked into a relationship where God is not blessing it, you're just left to the elements. You're left to random chance. You're no better than the average person that doesn't know Jesus. You just deal with the natural world as it comes and you try to survive. You don't have that extra blessing and that extra grease on skids that allow you to have a smooth sailing. You know, if mm. there's a thorn in your path, you simply step on it and deal with it. God doesn't guide you around it. It's incredibly important that we be yoked as God wants. And if you're not, then you need to change up the situation. You change it up as God leads you. You know, you don't just make a natural-minded decision to fix a natural-minded mistake. Right. You have to be specifically led of the yes. Spirit in what in, to do. You know, God doesn't God. break up every marriage that isn't of Him. Exactly. Sometimes it's going to be no better with you single than it is married. And so there's no reason to do it. But every once in a while, when there's a really bad situation, God will just say, hey, let's call it quits. Let's put this right. You know, what you did was a mistake. He may not be getting down on you for doing that, but he does want to correct it so you can now be blessed and he can work through you more effectively. Yeah, and live in the fullness of what he's called you to. I remember teaching marriage classes in the past, and when I taught women about submission, I had to go to the picture of Jesus and the church and say, okay, what God is calling you to is to submit in the way you would submit to Christ. Now, how many of you, if Jesus himself were your husband, would have any problem submitting? Exactly. And everybody agreed. There's no way I would have a problem. I would just give everything. Why? Because you could trust him, because you know mm -hmm. he loved you, yeah. because you feel his presence, you, you know that he has the wisdom. So if you are with the person God has called you to be with, that's exactly what that man becomes to you. He becomes Jesus to you. Jesus flows through that man to you. And when you pray and ask God for something and he meets your need through that husband, when you feel God's love through that husband, when you see it in his eyes, when you feel it in his touch, when you hear his words as the words of God, because God speaks through him, you know God is using him 
him as a manifestation of himself in your life, and you don't have a problem with submitting to that. If nine times out of ten, everything that your husband directs you in or ministers to you in sets well with your spirit, you agree, and it blesses you, that one time out of ten, when he may say something that you don't understand, it's easier for you to submit to that and say, okay, I don't get it, but I trust that. And if there is a mistake, God is the authority over your husband, and he can redirect things. Your safe place as a woman is to be under that umbrella of protection, under that man that God has assigned you to. That is where God will protect you and keep you safe, and God will flow through your husband to you and meet the needs that you have. Women think that's such an unsafe place. I've got to take care of myself. I can't allow myself to be under a man. But the safest place for you to be in God as a woman is under the man that God has put in the authority over you, because God will bless you there. God will protect you there. God will keep you safe, even in the things you don't understand. And that's where your highest blessing and calling is. I agree with that. And I know that to be true because I've seen it work out in the lives of me and my wife. The other thing, too, is that we need to have an eternal perspective on what's going on here. Right now, we're at the end of the Gentile church age, and things are going to dramatically switch after the defeat of the Antichrist. I believe that in the millennium, they will have no more knowledge of our time here than we have of the antediluvian world of Noah. There's going to be a total change. And I don't even know if most of our technology is going to survive. It may be even forbidden in the thousand-year reign. So things are at a head here, and they're going to change dramatically in the next few years. And we have to have the perspective that we're not here to build our own kingdom. We're not here to acquire lands, titles, riches. We're here to do a job for Jesus Christ. We've been bought with his blood. And we owe him that much to do his will here on earth while we have the day to do it. And so, you know, women say, well, you know, I have to have a career. No, you do not. What you have to do is what Jesus Christ wants you to Mm -hmm. do. Now, if that is a career, Mm -hmm. fine, do that. But do it in the service of God. If that is to be home and be a mother to your husband's children, do that. That is blessed of God. That is his will. He'll put his power behind that. It's not a certain cookie-cutter thing. Mm -hmm. It's whatever we can do to advance Christ's agenda while we're here on earth, because we only have a limited amount of years. And whether or not you have to submit to a man for the rest of your life, that's okay. When you step into the new heavens and new earth, the new creation of God, I mean, things may change up and you'll be totally different than you are now. Mm -hmm. But for right now, and for the purposes of God, we need to submit to his will so he can do his thing. Right. That's that's our whole purpose here. A man needs to be a man so God can do his thing. A woman needs to be a woman so God can accomplish his will. That's the point of all this. And if you need to call your husband Lord because that's God's will, then do it. It's okay. If a man needs to consider his wife as the weaker vessel and protect her and, and watch out for her and give her wise counsel in due season, do it. That's what God wants, and whatever he wants, he blesses. You know, he wants more of it. So if you do his will, he's going to encourage you with the blessings you actually seek. That's right. I like what you said about the new heavens and the new earth, because in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be living God's full, complete picture. And we see a glimpse of that 
in the Old Testament when God was encouraging his people, I want to be your king. I don't want you to be like the nations of the world and have a man as a king. I want to be your king. But the Israelites couldn't do that. And so he said, okay, we'll go with plan B. Then he set up the authority structure the way that it's set up now. So we're still living in that same authority structure. We have women have husbands, husbands have bosses. We all have police authorities. We all have leaders of our countries. Every authority, the Bible says, that is instituted on earth has been instituted by God. And we are supposed to submit to those authorities until they ask us to do something that God says not to do. But when we get to heaven, we don't have that same structure because it's not needed anymore. When we get to heaven, God is over all. Jesus is the one we serve, and we all stand on equal ground, serving him only. And however that plays out, we don't know exactly. But what God has set up for the earth is what God has set up for the earth right now. And the more we can allow ourselves to comply and align with that picture, the more we're going to be blessed. And we want to be blessed. Yeah. I mean, I am blessed in my life in ways that I never even imagined. I had no concept of when God says, I will bless you, what that really meant. And only as I see God doing it, I say, wow, okay, that's pretty nice. (laughs) You know, but at the time that God wanted me to do these things that seemed different, I didn't know that. I didn't know the blessings in store for me. But when I got there, I was super happy that he was Mm -hmm. blessing me like that. And this is what we have to understand is our lives are given in service to Jesus Christ. We are to be made into his fullness and stature. You know, as he was in the image and likeness of God, so we need to be in the image and likeness of him. Mm -hmm. And as he only did what he saw his father do or heard his father speak, that is also our exact calling too. It's not I, but Christ that Mm -hmm. lives within me. Christ and the Father in us. That is what we want. This is our total goal in life. And to do anything less than that is to change the person who died on the cross for us, who gave Mm -hmm. up the ghost, that we might live. The falsehood that the Christian church has perpetuated a lot throughout the years is that serving Christ is all about sacrifice and suffering. And sometimes there are seasons of suffering and difficulty and trials, but it's always with the intention of God bringing good out of it. And most of it is to go through the process of realigning ourselves. You know, when you break a bone, you can't let it heal crooked. You have to set it so that when it heals, it'll be straight. And we basically have all come into this broken world with a broken bone. When we say, God, set me straight and put me where you want me to be, sometimes it's like resetting a broken bone. And it can be painful at first because you've got to redo things. And when God is redoing our earthly and fleshly character and making us into a Christ-like being, someone who can really accurately and adequately reflect the image of God, sometimes we go through a difficulty. But that's not the whole sum of our Christian existence. That's a season, and sometimes different seasons, depending on what God's doing. The whole focus of what God has for us is to bless us. And when we align with his image and align with doing everything he wants to do through us as a manifestation of him, that's where we're blessed. We're not only blessed by the way he flows through us and just the amazing blessing of having his presence flow through us, but we're also blessed in just amazingly unexpected ways. We have no idea what God has in store for us when we completely give our lives to him and allow him to flow through us, but it will always result in blessing when we yield to what his plan is and we become for him what he wants us to become. Precisely. I had a person ask me, this week. I'm getting on in years. I haven't been married. Is it possible for me to have a divine mate? Mm -hmm. And I wrote back to her and I said, yes, it is. Absolutely. I mean, it is a divine mate. It's given by God whenever God wants to give him to you. And 
we have to understand that God will restore all the years that the locust has eaten in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, they come into a revelation of what God really is and what God really wants, and they say, oh, man, I've really messed up. I've just wasted so many years. And I say, you know, that's the wrong focus. You've come to a realization now that a lot of people never get. And God can do more in a few years of mm-hmm. you yielding wholly to his will than he could do in 40 years of you not. That's right, yeah. You know, and this is the thing. Jesus Christ changed the world in three and a half years of ministry. They said all the books in the world could not hold all the things that he done in the three and a half years. Yeah. He gave all. That was the key. Giving all to God allowed God to accomplish that miracle of his life. And no matter what you've done or how you've not done things, now that you know Jesus Christ, now that you want to give your life fully to him, God can do that with mm-hmm. you too. Absolutely. You can do more in three and a half years than you've mm-hmm. done in your entire life if you'll give your life to Jesus wholly and just do what he says when he says to do it with whomever he says to do it with. That's right. And that's where the blessing is. I know of a divine mate couple that came together later in life and you would think they were beyond having any kind of a powerful relationship. And their relationship is just as amazing as anybody who's in their 20s. The love they have for each other, the relationship, the connection, the depth, um, the, the intimacy, and all of that is very, very available to anyone when you are with your divine mate. It doesn't matter what time of life you're in. Aligning with God's perfect will is always a blessing. And you will be amazed at the way that God can bless you when you get where he wants you to be. The core of the bride of Christ is earthly divine mates. It's those people that God has brought together and united in a holy love that completes them in each other. While there be many, many people within the bride of Christ, some old and some young, some married, some not, the very core and the dynamo that drives that group of people are those incredibly unified couples that God has placed within his body to do his will in such a perfect way that the devil can't even handle it, doesn't even know what to do with it. You know, the devil doesn't want people to unite as God wants them. And the divine mates that are in the Philadelphia church are going to be a focal point that will draw people in from all walks of life, all social status, all levels of income, all learning, everything. They'll draw because of that unity. And these are very, very important things. It's not the end-all and be-all of church, but it is one very, very vital part of the church. It's, It's the heart of the church, basically. Yeah. And... Around that heart will be all the supporting people who they pump the blood of the Holy Spirit to them and nourish them and they'll be unified and built up in the most holy faith by these people that are incredibly unified in God. I think that's very true. Even Paul talks about that in Ephesians when he's explaining a husband and a wife and how they're supposed to interact. And he said, this is a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. And I think that's the point. It's not just any married couple, but a divine mate couple that are drawn together by God manifests a picture of Christ in the church. That's why the man is the Lord and the wife is the one who is the bride because it's a picture of Christ in the church. And the more we can come together like that, the more God can manifest through that picture. It's just like Adam and Eve. Adam was not enough. He was a singular entity that needed to be two to be one. 
And that's exactly what God has done. He's made Adam and Eve, male and female, together to become one man. He's doing the same thing with the body of Christ. A man and a woman come together, represents Christ and his bride. The bride calls him Lord, loves her in the way that Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. And together they become a unit that God can flow through in a powerful way that he can't flow through any other way. He wanted to do it with Adam and Eve, and he did it with them until sin came in. Now that sin has been removed, he wants to do that same thing again. It's through divine-made couples, the new Adams and Eves that he's created by his will and Jesus Christ himself manifests through that and like you say that becomes a powerful vessel for God to flow through when you consider Abraham and Sarah they were divine mates Mm -hmm. they were two people that God specifically called together to produce Isaac yeah okay and there was nothing in this world that was going to prevent that from happening neither a pharaoh or other people age anything was going to prevent that son named Isaac from being born from that couple. Mm -hmm. That was very, very important to God. Through everything they went through, and even being beyond the age of childbearing, God wanted that couple to bring forth that child. They were a divine mate, and he was the father of nations. And when you are a divine couple of God and you are submitted to his will, the issues of your life determine a lot. They can determine your children. They can determine how other people fare around you. They have these ripple effects that we have no idea what's really going to happen, but it's the ripple that God wants. See, there's a lot of ripples going on in the ocean of this world, but the ripples that God wants accomplish his will in ways that we cannot even comprehend. Mm -hmm. And we need to, by faith, allow him to unite us with the people that God wants us to be united with. Yeah, It's so incredibly important. And being a divine mate to a man of God allows you to call him Lord, gives you the confidence to call him Lord. You know with every fiber of your being that you're supposed to be a support to that man. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be with him, bear his children, Support his ministry. Give him counsel in due season. You know, help him to have courage when he's discouraged and downtrodden. This is an amazing thing you can do that multiplies his effectiveness tenfold. Without you, he would be a shadow of the man he could be with you. Mm -hmm. You have been given specifically to him so that he can be what he needs to be for God. And that's why you can call him Lord. That's why you can have a confidence in him to call him that. And the man, in turn, sees you as the manifestation of wisdom, the manifestation of understanding, the manifestation of compassion and mercy and grace and and comfort. And he just adores you as God adores his church. And he gives himself for you. He does everything in his life so that he can take you and make you happy. And so you're fulfilled as a woman as you fulfill him Mm -hmm. in your area. Exactly. And this is the blessing that comes from doing this by faith. I cannot overemphasize that this is where we're going. You know, the world just tears at relationships relentlessly. Mm -hmm. This feminist ideal is antichrist. And it just wants to destroy that unity that God wants to build with the men and the women. The devil is the one who is waging the war on women. Mm -hmm. It's not men. Men were created to love women. Women were created to love men. The devil is the one who wants to separate and destroy and kill. And what do you have now in our generation? 
you have women actually championing the right to kill their unborn children. That has become a fundamental right that a woman can terminate the pregnancy of a child. Now that's the war on women. That does things to their psyche. Yes, it does. Does things to them emotionally that they never hardly ever recover from. And the devil wants to destroy. The devil wants to destroy in our generation the children that have promise. Just like the devil through Herod tried to destroy Jesus when he was a child. Just like the Pharaoh tried to destroy the promise of Moses when he was born. The devil's doing the same thing mm. and he's doing it through even Christians. This is what feminism has gotten us. And we need as Christians to wake up and smell the stench of sulfur in all these dealing. And we say, no, we are going to allow God to lead us to a divine mate. And if we're not with a divine mate now, we will be willing to change our position and go for it. Because what we're doing now is it's a muddy field where we just get bogged down and we don't hardly accomplish anything God wants to because we're too busy dealing with the mud. We need to allow God to lift us up the mud to the dry ground so we can get on about his business. Yeah, very true. Preventing women from calling their husband Lord. If you're in a position where you just cannot do that, there's one of two issues going on. There's an issue with you, and you've got an issue with humility and pride and really can't do what God wants you to do. But if you're in a place before God where you are humbled and you are submitted to God and you're wanting to do what God wants and you still can't call your husband Lord, then maybe he's not your divine mate. Because if you're really yielded to God and you're with the man that God wants you to be and you humble yourself before God and you humble yourself before that man, it's a very easy thing to do. It's a refreshing, encouraging, joyful thing to do. So what is preventing women from calling their husband's Lord? I'm not advocating that every single wife just submit herself to every single husband. I'm saying that when you are with the man that you know that God wants you to be with, that's what God's called you to do, and that is the joyful place to be. Amen. And that's exactly right. I know when we talk to you like this, you know, sometimes the things we say seem outside the box. Mm -hmm. They seem an outlier, and you've never heard it this way before, and you don't know if you can even consider the things that we say. That's always been like that with new moves of the Holy Spirit. God always steps beyond the box that people have made because he's certainly not interested in keeping at that place. God is always constantly moving forward, leading his people into new pastures and giving them new experiences so they can go from glory to glory to be more and more like him. Mm -hmm. And it's always a stretch. It's always something new. Every time that you think that God can't do something different, he does. Why? It's his very nature. God creates everything different because he just likes being that creative. And so when he's leading you into a new pasture, into a new place where there'll be still waters, it doesn't look like the one that you used to be. It's even better, but it's different. And different in God is good. Mm -hmm. It means that you're becoming more and more like him as you get closer and closer to him. And this is what we all want in our hearts. Yeah. And so when God brings you new revelation, think of it like you're walking down a long beach and you're picking up shells. And you take the shell and you look at it and you turn it over and say, oh, I'll keep this one. It's really nice. And then you pick up another one and say, nah, I don't really want that one. 
pick the truths that make mm-hmm. sense to you. That's right. Yeah. The ones that you really feel connected to in your heart. And then the other ones you can put back down on the sand and you can walk on. Exactly. The final feast is a smorgasbord of God. It's a veritable cornucopia of truth. And it's meant for those people to sample it and taste and see that the Lord is good. And whatever they find attractive, they take with them and they sit down and they have a nice meal. I remember when I was at the Bellagio and their world-famous buffet over there, I really liked the ribs, but I wasn't really attracted to the calamari. <laughs> you know, So I didn't eat calamari. Exactly. You know, other people did, and that's okay. That's okay. That's an interesting point because the word says that we all see in part. We're as a unit, the body of Christ. So not all of us are going to grab onto the same revelation of God and just really feel drawn to that. There's some people that just don't like calamari. There's some people that like calamari and don't like ribs. That's okay. You go to where God is drawing you and just embrace everything he's showing you. Exactly. You know, I'm a rib Christian. (laughs) And uh, I love to do barbecues. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that we are all led to be in the part of the body of Christ that God foreordained. Exactly. You know, a rib is a rib. A toe is a toe. An eye is an eye. And we feel best if we're where God Mm -hmm. places us. Exactly. So sample what God is giving here and take those things away back to your table that you really feel drawn to. And then savor them. Fully experience them. Let God lead and guide you into deeper truth within these truths. This is always a starting place for you. It's a way that we can open your eyes to maybe things that you've never considered before. We are a signpost say, you know, we've been here before and this is the way that we found some great stuff over the horizon. And if you are so inclined, you can go and take the journey too and find out what we found out and maybe even some very interesting new stuff that we've never considered. The truth is there's going to be an explosion of revelation in the coming years. So much so that one part of the body of Christ will not even know what the other part is experiencing in that revelation. It's mm. going to flood people like we've never seen before. And you will not have to study. You will not have to go to seminars. You will not have to hear it from your pastor. You will hear direct revelation from Yahweh himself. And it will all fit. It will all be valid, it'll all be true, but there'd be so much of it, it'll be like going to a big banquet. You can only eat a part of it, and you have to have a lot of people there even to do it justice, or a lot of it's going to go to waste. And this is how it's going to be. The revelation that I receive, I do not work to get. It is simply given. It is simply shown to me like somebody turning on a light in a room, and you see, oh, that's where everything sits. And I didn't know that was there. Yeah. And that's all it is. I don't get it through arduous effort. I sit down and God simply feeds it to me and I write it. And that doesn't make me special. It just makes me a Christian. That is the normal thing that Christians do. That is supposed to be the normal thing, yeah. It's not something that is, oh, you're so this, you're so that. No, this is just being blood of Christ. You can't be in his presence. However he manifests himself to you, you can't be in that and not receive something from him. Exactly. Not get some new understanding or see a part of him you've never seen before. And that part that you get is different than the part that I get. Mm-hmm. But together we make a whole cloth. Together it's a beautiful pattern, a right, tapestry of right. God. And this is what we're coming into. I wish I could 
tell you what I see. Mm. I just lack the words, the ability. It is amazing. It is magnificent. It is something that if you knew what it was, you'd sell all to find it. You'd get rid of anything in your life that would be possibly hindering that because it is that good. And I know that it's coming. I know that the love that we all desire and long for is around the corner. I know the healing that people need is about to take place. I know that all the blessings that we seek are just within our grasp which we'll believe. These things of this move of God are beyond anything that you've ever read or experienced. No one in the Bible except Jesus Christ has gone where we're about to go. And those blessings and that intimate fellowship with Jesus through his Father is about to take place in ways that we cannot even yet imagine. And you want to be there. I'm just saying, you don't want to be bogged down with all the things that do not profit you. You do not want to be otherwise engaged when Jesus walks by and says, come follow me. You just want to say, okay, I'm dropping everything and I'm following you. And that's the thing that is going to determine whether or not you become like Jesus Christ. Because only those people that followed him were worthy to be apostles. Matthias, who was put in place of Judas, why was he chosen? Well, he had walked with Jesus just like all the other apostles. So we want to get our act together and we want to get away from the things that are holding us back and we want to just yield our entire lives to Jesus because what is coming is so fantastic and is so fulfilling that you definitely want to sell all that you might get a part of that kingdom. Very true. Yeah, dropping everything and following Jesus, you will not regret it. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have at another edition of God's Love Club. And we're so appreciative that you've stuck with us until the end of the hour. You know, you're one of those intrepid souls who went and explored distant islands on sailing ships. Mm. You got a spirit adventure in you and you really want to know what's around the bend. And we're so happy that you've stayed with us and explored a little more of God with us today. We want you to be blessed. Mm -hmm. I pray that God keep you in all you do this week. And I pray that the spirit of understanding dwell upon your heart and your mind so that you will understand the deeper things of God and his spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week on God's Love Club. Bye-bye. Bye.